Good morning and a happy Wednesday to you folks. Hump day for some of you out there. It is a fabulous day outside. Minus 20 degrees here where I am sitting right now. Can you believe that? Very grateful today for the fossil fuel industry. Holy smokes. That's what's coming out of my chimney. Holy smokes. That's the type of jokes that we've been texting all over Shale Play USA, Texas, Colorado, over in Pennsylvania, in the Utica Marcellus. That's the type of dad jokes we've been going, and we are so grateful for laughter these days. What a great gift to have and share on this planet that is so infectious. Today, go on out and enjoy the infectious laughter coming from the children, from your spouse, from your friends. Embrace the joy that laughter can bring into your life. All right, let's get this hook day started right now. It's time to play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. Welcome to the Crude Live Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. That is Sterling, Frackleberry Hound, making some noise on her chewy paws. Getting those paws going. Antler chews. It is Wednesday today. Holy God, already? Smokes. How'd it's that happen? Ten days through February. <sighs> yeah, what uh, what val- what day of Valentine week is this? Is this the promise day or the chocolate day? Oh, or? no, we're in the day three or four. <laughs> <We're, right>? yeah. <laughs> Honestly, as soon as we were done with that segment, <laughs> I right out the window. No relevancy in my <laughs> yep. life whatsoever that I had to worry about that ever again. Yep. So <laughs> thank you, folks, for joining the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard in our industrial forest studios. The industrial forest studios. Coming up a little bit later on, on our Swan Energy phone lines in the Newsmaker segment where we work hard, Jim Willis with Marcellus Drilling News is going to join us. He's one of those journalist types. He covers the Marcellus exclusively. Eh, a little bit outside of it, but that's the main part is the Marcellus. So we're going to get an update. That'd be nice to talk to an actual journalist. Yeah. Well, you know, it's just fun. He, <laughs> he, does, uh, he does a good job out there in the... Uh, East Coast, so we'll get an update there. Our weekly sponsors, Titan Solutions, great American mining company, two great companies. The links are available at our website, thecrudelife.com. We have a show page which kind of lists the different areas. Coming up in the next segment, famous tightwads. Those rich misers, those uh, Hollywood celebrities who yeah. don't tip. The people that steal the towels from rich hotels. Right, exactly. Yep. You know, the, 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 the friend, uh, the mm-hmm. frugal. The frugal, I guess you'd call them, yeah. It's coming up. And then also news we have coming up to end the last hour of the play hard portion of the program. But, oh yeah, also, the crude life daily update for the radio heard here on the podcast, U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer. And, boy, we've got a full show today. Jim Willis, Marcellus Drilling News, U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer, Sterling, Jason Spies. We're going to talk. Oh, the Cabot Oil guys are going to call in. Yeah, it's a busy morning already. They're going to be on today or tomorrow. I'm not sure yet. Cabot Oil, C-A-B-O-T. Capital Oil. Oil. Yeah, so it sounds, every now and then it sounds like Cavett with a V, like Dick Cavett. Yeah, I was thinking Capitol, so there we go. Dick Cavett still alive? I think so. I don't think I've said that name for 10, 15 years. And I didn't even know he was alive 10, 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah, he, was, he had the talk show, right? Yeah. 
<laughs> Maybe. He was just some celebrity name out of the 60s, 70s or whatever. So I, I He was a name dropper. I'll, all I remember him is from The Simpsons, you know? That's how I get all my news. Is that how I know who he <laughs> Probably. Is? Okay. Yeah, the social relevance there. So oh. coming up now, we've been putting this off for a while. In fact, she just ate, didn't she? So we got to wait a little bit longer. But we're going to be doing Frackleberry Hounds DNA. So we've got an Embark DNA test kit. And these are pretty cool, actually. Yeah, how does it work? How do we get the DNA? No much about it here. I'm trying to not. She's positioned oh, herself right perfectly under you. Yep. I mean, yep. I can't even move. She's in her happy spot. So what these do, it's called Embark DNA. And we'll post something here at our website about it but it it tracks your ancestry uh, all kinds of different breeds as well as if they're related to anybody else in the embark registry so you can go check your dog's family tree to see if there's any relatives so might have like a a cousin somewhere in illinois or something something. like that that's cool so we're gonna do that and and check it out see what she is because we've She's a regal dog. Maybe she's got a rich uncle or something. Well, there's a vet that believes she's a Chesapeake Bay Retriever. Okay. And a Chesapeake Bay Retriever, those are expensive dogs. You're not going to sell her. No, I'm just saying that's an expensive dog. Okay. And for a stray, you know, to get a purebred, boy, that would be unusual. Mm -hmm. Now, a Chesapeake Bay Retriever, I've done the research on this, and it's kind of neat because they can trace that breed back to the two original dogs that it wow. bred with yeah <laughs> and the, these dogs were bred to go swim in the chesapeake bay go get birds hence the name out of the chesapeake bay big ice cold choppy waters which makes sense because she loves the water oh man she yeah. loves the snow have you got some of those videos on the crude life page we should we, we, we really i know you've got them on some of your social media but her first time in water is just something to behold so frackleberry hound the first time we brought her to water. I didn't even think she was a dog. <laughs> I, she didn't even know a dog paddle. She wasn't sure what the hell was going on. It was just inappropriate to watch. It was so <laughs> funny. And after about the third time in there, just the champ figured it out. All of a sudden, she's part mermaid. Yeah. Just can't get her out didn't of the Didn't want to get out of the pool. And natural fetcher. Mm-hmm. She's a natural retriever pointer. So she, so we're out one day at a outdoor patio. With Frackleberry Hound having a beverage on a nice hot summer day. I forget what those are like. Not miss listening to Meatloaf on a hot summer night. Would you <laughs> sacrifice your oh, man. your throat to the wolf with the red rose? Oh Anyways, wow! Right? Isn't that meatloaf? <laughs> That's right? a meatloaf drop right there. Okay, Woo. so we're sitting outside on a patio, and Frackleberry Hound. The ladies come over. Oh, yeah. She's a magnet. The ladies just she's come over. Icebreaker right there. Conversation starter. I don't even starter. need to open my mouth because no, uh-uh. anything I say, we're going downhill. <laughs> Better to let her do the talking. We are at the pinnacle of picking up women <laughs> right. before I open my mouth. Yeah. When she's just bringing them in, we're at, we cannot go anywhere. That really down. is like the best time right there, isn't it? You know, you're at the apex. We've maxed out yeah. at that point. Okay. Yeah. Your relationship's never going to get any better than that. So she was just enamored and in love with Frackleberry Hound. and Well, it turns out she used to have a Vizsla. And so what she, is a Vizsla? A Vizsla is one of the most energetic dogs that you would possibly run across. They're, they're Hungarian. Okay, it sounds like an Italian small sports car. So, and okay. they, they, oh, they, and they are like that. They're, they're just muscular and sleek. And my, my neighbor growing up, uh, she used to do radio. And 
Well, Jane Alexander. Okay, probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you recognize her. Yeah, recognize town. the name. She's been a staple around the uh, Fargo-Moorhead mm-hmm. radio circuit An for institution, 30 really. years, yeah. right? Anyway, she was my neighbor when I was in like high school. And she would bring home an animal from the Humane Society when they'd come by. You know, these adopted dogs yeah. would come by. Yeah. She'd bring one home every time. Her, her poor husband had to send back so many dogs. She'd bring home a parrot, you know, whatever. Right. Just, and I, I, I always thought that, that would be me. Yeah. You know? so, well, yeah, that's why I don't even bother going in there because I'll take them all home. That's you why know? we can't have the, those people come by our place because we'll, we'll keep them here. I mean, it's great public service, but when they bring that little puppy by, you keep it, right? So... <laughs> Anyway, she calls me one day, Jason, you got to get over here. I come over and she has a Vizsla. This thing is bouncing off the couch like some cartoon character. <laughs> neurotic molecules energy molecules are vibrating. <laughs> and anyway, when I've always wanted a Vizsla because there's gorgeous dogs. Gorgeous. They're like Weimaraners. Sounds just like serious high maintenance. Absolutely gorgeous. You know the way the Weimaraner just brings gray and ice blue to a whole new level of beauty? The Vizsla does that with kind of a tan and brown. It's wow. Just, the, the, the brown coat and the, and the eyes of a Vizsla is just, it's kind of like if, if, if. It's hypnotic. If I could never wear the same outfit that Anderson Cooper wears and look the same. Anderson Cooper's always going to look good like a shiny new dime. Just all on point. It's just all the time. Yep. I'm never going to look like that. I'm going to look like Squared that away and- dime that has been. Passed down for four generations nah. through backyard, whatever. <laughs> Anderson Cooper is going to always just look like that new shiny dime. That's what a Vizsla looks like. The That's new shiny dime. That's what a dime. Weimaraner looks like. Okay. They're just always gorgeous. Wow. Okay? I never knew you had this kind of attention for pets, for dogs. I mean, this passion. I mean, it sounds I like you're describing wine. dogs over people. Well, yeah, that's, that, that's that, an easy By one. the way, that is a shirt that would sell. Oh, man. I prefer dogs over people. Yeah. I used to say I prefer most dogs over most people. I took out the word most as I've gotten older. Well, I just prefer dogs over people. Yeah. I, just, yeah, I think 2020 <laughs> in general sort of solidified all that for us. Animals better. People not good. Frackleberry Hound has been one of the greatest travel companions i've ever had in my life and this has been a whole new experience traveling with, yeah. with pets well, it's like traveling with a kid that just bounces off the walls all the time again kids are a little different kids yeah. you can put an ipad in front of them there's a tv that'll capture their attention a kid you could turn on the tv yeah. and go and, and go to the bathroom yeah okay the, the dog you can't do that Yeah. what's it like do you end up entertaining her for eight hours straight on a, so, on a drive? I've found that I don't really like staying at the higher end places sure. with the dog. Yeah. Um, I, I don't. And that's mostly just because the help seems to be a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. Like when no one's around, they're on the dog. Pretty soon, if there's a guest, they want to act like they can't enjoy the dog. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's very odd. Just in case somebody else doesn't enjoy yeah, the dog. You know, they I mean, have to be neutral dog. Like the higher in Hilton, yeah. maybe the double trees, you know. And they're great. Sure. But at the same time, it's just they, they're, they're trying to be more conscious of the other guests. See, I always stay at a Super 8 and just sleep on the floor. It's the cleanest place in the room, generally. Okay, yeah. No kidding. I would never sleep on a floor at a hotel. (laughs) Well, yeah, Um, you're picking the... the, You're you're evil there. You're poison. I I usually bring my own sleeping bag. (laughs) So, uh, actually, we found the the, uh, La Quinta Inn. And what was the other one? Was it uh, Days In maybe? Either a Days In or a Super 8. They mm-hmm. only, you know, they, they charge 10, 20, 25 bucks. Right. Like, Eat In actually free. 
in a lot of cases, they don't even charge. Yeah, more and more, I'm starting to see that acceptance okay. from hotels to apartments. Other places is interesting. Okay, we got a $25 per night plus a $50 uh, cleaning deposit plus a $150 non-refundable deposit. Please, why don't you just say we don't allow dogs? Yeah, or I'll just go rent an apartment for the night instead. I know. I mean, like, one of them was like $240 for the oh, night, man. man. And That's I'm like nuts. Going, just, just say you don't like dogs. Seriously, just yeah. say you don't want dogs. Yeah. Make it as complicated as possible. Well, this way oh. it's like, yeah, we love it, but don't do this and don't do that. And and, and in the end, we really don't want it. They're you. definitely de-incentivizing it for you there. So that part is a little bit interesting. It, it was it was fun in Fort Collins. I can't remember which place I stayed at, but it was one of those kind of janky places right on the edge of town. It was either a Super 8 or a motel something or motel yeah it was was, i'm rolling into town travelocity app 50 bucks done you know that type of that's hard to find man right totally but it was late at night and i just i had to just get a roof over my head yeah and that was actually one of the times where i thought i would have been better off sleeping in the walmart parking lot (laughs) okay might have been safer man hotel might have been safer yeah did you check for cameras two-way mirrors that kind of thing it wasn't that nice a one-way mirror (laughs) wasn't that (laughs) wasn't that nice where they'd have cameras in there no, so we went there, and uh, oh, this was a place where across the street there was homeless people sleeping. Mm-hmm. Okay, it was right on one of the first e- exits in Fort Collins coming in from from Wyoming. So you got panhandlers, and, oh, hitchhikers. No, there's a whole uh, bunch yeah. of janky places yeah. right in that edge of town, man. Right by the Denny's there. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're within a stone's throw of four or five. Some shady business. Yeah, I mean, but it's it's just the way it is. Yeah. Whatever. Well, and you know, if you can find something under a hundred bucks a night, you're pretty lucky now. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. And anyway, so we get there, and this was one of my first times with Frackenberry Hound. And she's got separation anxiety. <laughs> By the way, this Embark DNA, it tests for separation anxiety plus some of the health, you know, hip dysplasia. Wow. So there's like 70-some different uh, sort of personality and health So it's supposed to help you understand what right. you might expect with your dog over time. I got it. So I wasn't really sure what to do because, you know, when, when you're bringing stuff in, two hands is a lot more useful than one hanging on to a dog with, with a leash <laughs> and trying to just... At least she lets that. you leash her. So I, I left her in the room because I was only, you know, four doors down from the outside door. Mm-hmm. And then there's a steps going upstairs and then one that goes outstairs, outside. Well, I go outside, I grab the stuff. It's... It's one of those lever doors. It's not a knob door, but mm-hmm. a lever door. Well, I go back to the room. The dog's gone. You're kidding me. Dog's gone. She punched out. She, punched, she, <laughs> she figured out how to get out out of the room. Oh man! And Frackleberry. All hound. of a sudden, I hear upstairs. Right. She's just she's looking running for you. the hallway. Man. And all of a sudden, I hear down the stairs, and she just comes barreling in, and I'm going. Oh, she's just partying like a little kid. Like, just, where's the vending machines? Okay, where's the pool? Where's, where's the pool? Oh, think about when you're a kid, you just go running down the hall. Yeah, that was the thing when you checked in at a hotel as a kid. You're like, where is everything? And I, of course, I started laughing because that's that's how I... that's how She I, was looking for you, man. With a kid, I probably would have got mad. Yeah, Like, right. oh, don't do that. You're waking up everything. But this way, I'm going, well, who's going to get mad at a dog yeah. that's happy just running around looking Especially for Especially her. So then I think, well, did I not shut the door? Because sometimes if you don't shut the door all the way... It doesn't click, mm-hmm. and and you know, that's. But some people like that, so did it again, 
And I closed the door behind me this time. Nope. Same thing. Just bounce right out. Came huh? back in. She was running around upstairs, <laughs> looking to just party and came back running down. So now, rascal. Now, now I have to take her in and out with me every single oh, time. Yeah. Right. Because you know that I got to put her in a kennel. I won't kennel her. I will not kennel no. her. She's been kenneled a couple times and that's it. She does no. not like it. The two of you guys have kind of this, you know, married couple thing going on, I think. Fun to travel with. Yeah, though. she is. Uh, she makes you get out every couple hours and and walk your stretch your legs. Dude, and, she's gonna be happy to get on the road with you tomorrow. Oh, it's gonna be fantastic. Of course, the Bismarck mayor first meeting Bismarck, North Dakota. We're gonna meet with the mayor Steve Bakken as well as somebody in their forestry department. He texted me yesterday. He's gonna try to get somebody from the state forestry department now too. Nice to get on board with the industrial, industrial forest. forest. So we're picking up some steam there. And that, of course, is tomorrow. Then the next day, we're going to be down in the Black Hills and into Wyoming. We've got a few meetings lined up there. Then we're rolling into Weld County, Colorado, staying at, I believe, Fort Collins and Denver, Greeley, Colorado as well. So it's going to be a nice very, circuit. Yeah, we're yeah. going to have a good trip. Uh, got some meetings lined up uh, as well down in Weld County. Going to try to get some interviews. Going to do some writing. And then, of course, I'm going to do some writing. Yeah, I've got I've got the, this whole other side of my life where I actually, you know, I got into this whole media gig as a writer originally. Mm-hmm. That's why I got into this, and so that's kind of coming back around a little bit. And and I've you know the, this book I have, the book of G, that website. We've got to get that up and running. I want to get some hiking in. I got to clear my head. Plus. It's 20 below here. Yeah. Air temperature. Yeah. Air temperature. Yeah. 20 below. Dude, you can go down there and it'll be 45 degrees and you can wear shorts and you'll be happy. You know? I saw the rocks are wearing stocking caps now. <laughs> the rocks. I can't even believe that. Actually, I was reading about pipe bursts in town because it's been so cold last couple of days. Oh, that's days. a real thing. Yeah. 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 A couple Absolutely. of down, downtown and you know, a couple of old pipes burst. You noticed last night when uh, when you were leaving, when you rolled back into town, and we'll talk about that another time, but your car <laughs> yeah, stuck yeah. out in the interstate. The Odyssey. 20 below weather. I've been there before, yeah, too. it sucks. And by the way, uh, cash does not work in emergencies. No. Cash does not work. Hotels will not take cash. Wreckers will not take cash. Yep. Emergency services will not well, take cash. Well, and because cash. of COVID... They don't allow you to ride with the tower. And it's even worse. When I got stuck out on the interstate in 40 below weather with my son, oh, man. when he was eight or nine years old, okay, it we had four towing companies tell us they could not come out and get us because I had over $1,000 in cash. My credit cards got ripped off because some... Wait, remember when they were like doing online what do they care? purchases? There was a there were, there was a time where if you used a credit card like at a gas station, there was guys that had like these these guns that would get your number. yeah catch your ATM yeah catch pin. your number yeah. and then they'd make these online purchases. Yeah. Well, that happened to me when I was taking my son to a Pokemon tournament in St. Louis. That's a real thing. Yeah, yeah. In Kansas City, somebody did that. So on the trip, we had to cancel our credit cards. Holy shit! Yeah. Trying over, to get that all it was back over President's Weekend Day. Oh man! So not, banks weren't open. Yeah. I mean, it was we we had to decide because we couldn't get a we couldn't get a place to to do a hotel room. Yeah, we had. 
Yeah, because they want the credit card because they need to be able to track you if right. you burn the room down or I something. I had over like $1,000 cash on me, and nobody would accept my money in an emergency. They needed the plastic. That was an eye-opener beyond all anyway so, do, you, do you know what it says on the money do you know what it actually says yeah, on a dollar it says no but it says it is legal tender oh yeah, so they have to accept it it's cash is gone by the Man. wayside so anyway uh so we'll have to talk about that sometime but uh, before i got on that little rant <laughs> when it's so cold here this is something that i discovered what was it back in 2016 was it 2000 2015 going into 2016 i did an article for the Bismarck Tribune, okay? And it was the sixth coldest winter on record in North Dakota. I remember that winter. That was when the diesel trucks were gelling up on Mm -hmm. the interstate and and all these different things were happening. We had 45 consecutive days of below zero air temperature. Yeah, and I think it was 90 days overall in that year for zero degree. Unbelievable. But I remember because I lived north of town. I was living out just north of town and just past the airport. Yeah, right in the wind, basically. (laughs) And as I was driving home late at night, I noticed the runway was lit up and the lights were going. And it was so cold. Mm -hmm. They looked like lightsabers. Oh, man. Yeah. All the, all the, yeah. Yeah, that we saw. Yeah. When you were leaving. Crystallization in the, yeah. It is so cold. It captures the light molecules. Yep. And it turns it into a straight actual lightsaber cylinder. <laughs> That's how freaking cold it is. So well, at least anyway, we get a light show out of it, man. That year. Okay, that year. The first day it was above zero degrees. This is no kidding. This is when I knew. This is when the the the, the uh, doomsday clock of my days in North Dakota was starting. Yeah. And it was done. The countdown began. And I this is when I knew I was leaving the state. All right. Got a phone call. Jason, God, it's nice out. It's 10 degrees. Mm -hmm. 10 degrees out. Oh, it's so nice out. (laughs) It's relative, man. Let's go ice fishing. Uh, It is so nice outside. Let's go stand on a frozen lake. Yeah. My mind could not wrap around such nonsense at that time. It went, this is not how people should live. Okay, son gets done with school. The next day, you're gone, pal. Dude, it's a beautiful sunny day today and about as much heat as a kid's easy-bake oven coming off of it, you know? I remember during that winter, somebody on the radio said that at one point on the weather that uh, with the wind chill, we were actually about the surface temperature of Mars in the summer. For real? Yeah, except we got oxygen. But... That is, so that's, that's a remarkable. That's awesome, man. I kind of, you know, I feel like living up here, you have to be hardy. I, I remember as a kid when I was growing up in, the, in these parts back in, it was 1997. Oh, 9-7 back then. Had, it, it was record year that year, yeah. record year for flood, flooding. Record year that was a record flood. Snowfall, record year for temperatures. Yep. But it, it, it was one of those times, and we, we've had this three or four times in the last decade, but it got a minus 100-degree uh, windshield, okay? Oh. That's happened. It's, that's actually happened a few times. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah in, it happens in, in Siberia. No, here. Yeah. And I just remember as a kid going, whoa. But then, and this has only happened, it's happened probably three times in the last two years. Mm-hmm. But before the last two years, it only happened two or three times total in my lifetime. Yeah. Where the police actually put out a public service warning saying, if you are caught outside of your house wow. and it's a minus 100 degrees, you will be arrested or brought home yeah. 
for your safety. Yeah, or just shot so and, you'll warm up. And, and like, there wasn't one person, not one conspiracy person that even disagreed with right? that at all. Everyone's like, yeah, I'm cool with that. Now, see, I've lived in Saudi Arabia. Wait, why are you guys out? <laughs> like, yeah, I feel sorry for those guys having to be out. On Did the it, flip side. I've lived in Saudi Arabia on days where it was so hot that they didn't let anybody go outside even to do work. Right, that's, and, you know, it was side, 122 degrees with 98% humidity, right? It's plus 180 degrees. Right. If you're outside the religion police or the regular police will bring you home. Dude, it is so hot. I mean, your shoes start to melt to the pavement type of thing, right? It's oh, the, I remember my first time in Arizona as a kid. Did you do the egg on the pavement? No, I did the, oh, I forgot my shoes. I'll walk across the parking lot. <sighs> second degree burns two yeah. days in the hotel. Yeah, I did that. That was a fun time. Yeah, you did the Arizona coal walk. Yeah. <laughs> Arizona, exactly. Arizona coal walk. All right, with that, folks. We got to take a quick pause. That is Sterling. My name is Jason Speece. We come back famous tightwads. You'll never believe who some of the cheapest people are over history. It's rude. I'm feeling all right. Well, I'm doing okay. Well, I'm here for the moment, you know, and then I'm on my way. Music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by... If you have natural gas leases and are looking to sell them, Swan Energy wants to talk to you today. Give them a call at 866-539-0860. That's 866 866- Five three nine zero eight six zero. Swan Energy is buying up natural gas leases, and they may buy yours too. Give them a call today. The industrial forest. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey, folks, Jason Spees with the Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last twenty to thirty years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. Welcome back to the Food Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Spees. That is Sterling. We've got whew, busy day today. Busy no, it's day hump day. Today. Hump We're day. Ready to meet with the mayor of Bismarck and the forestry department as the industrial forest moves ahead. And oh boy, what do we got? Titan Solutions, Great American Mining Company, are our sponsors today. Please go to thecrudelife.com on our show page. The Industrial Forest Studios is our studio sponsor and coming up on the latter part of the program jim willis with marcellus drilling news on the swan energy phone line also kevin kramer with our daily update on the radio here on the podcast and now 
Time bum, bum, bum. Famous tightwads. Famous yeah. Scrooge. I'm, I'm wondering Scrooges. how many of these are going to be, you know, like a no-brainer, and some of them are going to be kind of surprises. I think you're going to be surprised at a couple, but a few you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I saw that coming. Bring it on. All right. Do you remember Marge Schott? She was the owner of the Cincinnati Reds. Oh yeah, racist owner. Yes, of the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, that's Probably where I remember the, the most name. Famous female racist of modern days. Man, that's a badge. I guess well, I can't think of any other title. <laughs> so, she told her staff in 1995 she couldn't afford Christmas bonuses. What? And gave candles instead. Oh, scented. I hope. Oh, they turned out to be free samples from a baseball card company. Wow! And they came with coupons inviting customers to win a trip to the 1991 Grammys. <sighs> she regifted. That's <laughs> pretty good. Well, you are always saying, you know, reuse, repurpose, reuse, <laughs> repurpose, recycle, yeah. repeat, regift. Ever Cary Grant? Oh yeah. Probably one of the more legendary uh, black and white actors. Mm -hmm. Nicknamed El Squico by Hollywood friends. He counted the number of firewood logs in his mansion's garage and used a red pen to mark the level of milk. Wow. Brought in milk bottles in his refrigerator to keep his servants from taking them. Oh, I bet he was just all kinds of fun. He didn't want anybody taking his logs for heat. Yep. And nobody would have... No coal milk, for you. Milk for... I don't know, protein. This guy's actually this guy sounds like the literal Scrooge. Wow. President Franklin D. Roosevelt. He was a tightwad. He was a famous tightwad. Dude was rich from birth. Mooched dollar bills off of his valet to drop in the collection plate at church. That's hardcore. That is hardcore, man. Oh man. Well, maybe he just figures it'll go right back around. That's pretty good, actually. <laughs> Groucho Marx, another one of the old black and white. Boy, a lot of these older guys were really. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe it came lots. from the fact that, uh, you know, they came from nothing, you know, right. total poverty, and they'd been screwed over their whole lives. Groucho Marx wore a beret, which became one of his trademarks, and he did it so he wouldn't have to check his hat. <laughs> He's afraid it might get hurt, it might get damaged or lost or stolen. Interesting. That's okay. interesting. Yeah. Paul Getty, he's an oil baron. Famous oil bearing. Installed a payphone in his mansion to keep <sighs> visitors from running up his long distance bill. <laughs> a payphone. Have you ever done that? You ever gone to somebody's and like drank their soda or oh, used their man. phone bill or something like that? Where yeah. you, oh, they're rich. They yeah. Just, uh, no, I haven't ever done pile. that actually. No. I wish. Put I, okay, I've so never he, known somebody to do that. He too. put locks on the doors with phones. Wow. When you get some fellow talking on... <laughs> For 10 or 15 minutes, the ex-billionaire explains, it adds up. Well, hey, man, I, I don't know what an international call or a long-distance call cost back in his day, but it wasn't cheap. It was like four bucks a minute when I was in Saudi Arabia to call to the States. Paul Getty, another thing that he was very famous for was that uh, he said that he didn't personally own his home, okay? The company did. So that was, that was a lot of his... Um, it's the, it's the company's home yeah. because really he was just looking after the interest of his shareholders caretaker oh this 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 is just absolutely awesome wow <laughs> other people and, yeah, i'm uh, wondering uh, what what christmas was like for these guys billionaire oilman hl hunt often reported to be a model for jr ewing in the show dallas, dallas. okay Unlike J.R., however, H.L. was renowned for his rumpled frugality, 
buying his suits off the rack, brown bagging his lunch, cutting his own hair, and driving himself to work in an old Plymouth. <laughs> he reportedly parked blocks from his office to avoid paying the 50-cent parking fee. Wow. Well, you know, that's how you stay wealthy. You don't spend money. <laughs> he outdid even JR, however, in the messiness of his private life, which the Texas Monthly later characterized as the most scandalous familiar relationship in American history. As the magazine explained, HL <laughs> had three families. Two of them were a secret, at least for a while. <sighs> secret Canadian family. No wonder he was so cheap. Yeah, tight. no kidding, man. man he's he he's, he's paying race. out there. He had a lot of kids. That's a lot of college. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, over one eight-year period in which the late 20s and early 30s, he had seven children by two wives, none whom knew each other existed. Oh. If that weren't enough, he later had a third secret family. Man, how do you schedule that? Honestly, I can barely keep up with one family. Hunt himself often observed that a millionaire who throws his money around is stupid, especially if he has three households to support. <laughs> well, some you live us, by the sword, man. Some of us might remember Lee Iacocca. Oh, yes. Former head of Chrysler Corporation. Yep. Back in the uh, 70s and 80s, I believe. Yep. Got the key to Detroit, if my memory serves me. One and of the coolest names Saddam ever. Hussein both got really? keys to Detroit. Yeah. Oh. Lee Iacocca threw himself a lavish holiday party and charged gifts to the underlings. <laughs> Popular saying at Chrysler, if you, have, if you have lunch with someone who looks like Lee Iacocca, it sounds like Lee Iacocca. Rest assured, if he offers to pick up the check, it's not, not Lee Iacocca. <laughs> John F. Kennedy. Despite his image as a rich, carefree playboy, the 35th president of the United States was a serious tightwad. Kennedy had no shortage of cash. His father had given him a trust fund worth $170 million back in the day. That's a lot of money back in the 60s. Instead, he allowed his friends, flunkies, secret service agents, and even his dates to pick up the tab wherever he went. <laughs> his frugality continued into this presidency where he and the first lady, Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis, reportedly clashed over her spending on clothes and even the White House grocery bill. Wow. That's amazing. You know, it's like those are everyday people problems. It's interesting to know they have them too. It's just it must be about the control at the end of the day. Just they don't want to they, they don't want to give that up. See, to me it seems almost like these are these are some of those early influencers, right? Those people that just sort of expect because they're at a certain level that things will be provided for them. So on the flip side, I have this uh hat. It has a uh, eyeball on it. It's a red hat and it has an eyeball. Yeah, I can see it from here. Couple couple uh, ears on it. And I get a lot of comments on this hat. Like, it's a, I, wherever I go, I've got men, women, kids. Nice hat. Like, it's as good as Frackleberry Hound in terms of a, a icebreaker. Yeah. It's a statement and hat. It, it's the most expensive hat I've ever bought in my life. It was a $55 hat. That was $55? A $55 hat. Oh, I remember this. You found so it was made, wasn't it? It was, it was a handmade hat. Yep. It was at one of these... Uh, uh, you know, local made pride shows where yeah. some local artist made it. You showed interest. My son was there and his mother, and I was with his mother at the time. Oh, and I, uh, I was, you know, I, I was working at uh, the radio station. I was the executive producer, so I had a steady check. Mm -hmm. 
I made a, I had a good wage, and I made a good, you know, I, I was making good money for my age. And here I was, and I was looking at this hat, and my son was probably four, five, mm-hmm. just loved it, a cool hat, all this. Probably stuff. looked really this. cute on him. It was for me. Right. It was for me. I wanted the hat. I think they should have underoos for adults, okay? I mean, hey, just because you're an age doesn't mean you're not a kid. All right, mentally, anyway. So you can't cage this, man. You can't cage this. I'm pointing at my head. So anyway, um, my ex, uh, Otis's mother, she loved the hat, and she's like a walking cheerleader. Mm. She's a walking pep rally. Well, she was a lead singer in a band, so she's a firecracker the minute she walks into a room. She's got amazing motivational energy okay? charisma well she's the lead singer yeah. of a band she's beautiful so here here we are i'm looking at this hat and we've got all this momentum about how i'm gonna buy the hat okay well i look at her and i say yeah i'll get it how much and she goes 55 dollars. <laughs> okay and and by the way a, like a north face hat it's like 20 bucks at the time yeah. This is why it's hard to at, at Marshalls make Dayton's stuff and, and sell it. <laughs> what is it? What's it called? Macy's. Now. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So, but not that fifty-five dollar hat. I'm going. Whoa. Okay. This is like that scene in Pulp Fiction with the five dollar milkshake. Yeah. I'm John Travolta. Like, <laughs> this better be the best hat in the world if yeah. I'm buying five dollar milkshake. Okay. So, but in the moment, I felt so stupid. Like, my everything inside of me thought. There is no effing way you're going to spend $55 on a hat when you got a family to raise. <laughs> I mean, you don't own your house. Right. You've got, you know, you've got domestic duties. You've well, that's, got that's, that's dinner. That's uh, the is, three of you out for a day. But I could afford it. Right. I mean, but that's just it. Well, and I, you were I, kind of in a corner at that point. I wouldn't have had any problem going to tailgaters. Right. Spending a hundred bucks on stupid pizza, wings, beer, and fun with my kids because yep. he's playing. They got video games at tailgaters, right? The old school Ms. Pac-Man yeah. and Galaga and stuff. Yeah. Could, so I have no problem spending a hundred bucks at a restaurant. That's a lot of fun in a moment. Mm-hmm. But something that'll warm my head in sub-zero temperature, and I'm still wearing it today, ten years later, whatever. Are you kidding me? How was I even thinking twice about that? It really was a good investment. But the way that we were brought up. To, you know, just think, okay, there's that certain frugality in us that thinks, well, there's no way I'm going to pay for water. There's no way I'm going to pay. Well, for a long time, I didn't spend more than $5,000 on a car. And yeah, that's then, back when you could. Yeah, and then all of a sudden in the last five years, good luck trying to find anything under twenty grand. Oh, shoot, man. Even, I mean, even, even bottom rung, and it's going to be closer to thirty with tax and everything else? I was going to say, anything under... Twenty or ten thousand dollars has got a hundred thousand miles on it. Exactly. And now you're talking about a risk. Yep. It's yeah. And I, you know the funny thing was is I was just debt free, just debt free. Do you know how happy I was? You know, coming from my youth and having to work as an independent contractor at age in the fifth grade because I had to buy school clothes of my own money, is that there was a time when I owned a car that was made in the same decade I was living. Oh, did I feel good? Yeah, those are the days. I felt so good, that, man. I felt, honestly, I felt like I, I, I made it to the, a, 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 some sort of bucket list goal. Like, hey, man, I just got past a car that my, still had a cigarette lighter. My, right, 
exactly. <laughs> and an ashtray. <laughs> I remember the first time I, I went into a car where they don't have ignitions anymore. Oh, that just I confuses so the poor. hell out of me. I felt so like, oh, God, I'm middle class. Oh, man. I, this rich person asked me to start their car, and I don't know how to start this car because there's no ignition. Did you talk to it? Did you try? I figured it. Start I could, car. I start a push <laughs> I did try to talk to it. Like, car, start. Car, start. Question, Siri? Question mark, you know. Uh, hi, car. Now, wouldn't it be nice if you could port Alexa or Siri over and they could just do the driving, too? You're not normal driver. Because they know your weight and everything. I mean, oh, yeah. these cars are oh, smart. Yeah. They're now. smarter than I am. I know that. Famous tightwads out there, folks. Even in the oil and gas industry. All right, we're going to end with the Duke and Duchess of Windsor. All right, you ready for this? Okay. When King Edward, so apparently if you're a duke and a duchess, you can still be considered a notorious tightwad. When King, oh, by the way, Leonardo DiCaprio, famous tightwad. I hadn't heard that. Notorious tightwad. Michael Jordan, notorious for not tipping. Wow. Okay. A couple. So there's a couple. Co- more more contemporary, yeah. Anyway, with the Duke and Duchess of Windsor, when King Edward... The eighth famously gave up the British throne in 1936 to marry American divorcee Wallace Simpson. He didn't give up much else. Though demoted to the Duke of Windsor, he still possessed a royal fortune. Estimates range from $80 million to $250 million. Even so, he would soon earn the reputation as a serious shilling pincher. <laughs> you shilling pincher. <laughs> Uh, okay. Well, yeah, because those guys are on allowance. That's basically, if you're royalty and on a Dutch level, you know, the uh, the Duchess and the Duke, you are, you're on an allowance. You're on a fixed income. I mean, granted, it's a couple million a month, but it's a fixed income. Windsor was notorious for rarely, if ever, picking up a dinner check, preferring instead to wait his guests out. Oh, you ever just, play that just game? Just sit there or just keep drinking coffee. Just right. See, don't don't, don't pick up yep. the check. Yeah. I usually like, just like literally pick up the check. Wait for someone else to go and pick it up. I usually as soon as they head back towards the table, I head to the bathroom for a few minutes. According to biographers, Brian and Murphy, his dilly dallying tactics, including staring into the middle distance, whistling a light tune and drumming his fingers on the table until one of his guests finally picked up the bill and paid it. Oh, boy. The Duke and Duchess had homes around the world but spent much of their time traveling typically at highly discounted prices. Their favorite ocean liner became the SS United States, which provided a three-room suite, one room for the Duke, one for the Duchess, and one for their pug. At 70% off the fare that commoners got. Uh, see, that's like you've got a name, right? You've got the Duke and Duchess on the ship. So that's that's got to be a selling point. You know, Rick Helling, baseball player, World Series for the Marlins. And in fact, a lot of people down in Texas know Rick Helling because he signed a big contract with the Texas Rangers. I want to say like seven years, $45 million back in the 90s. That was a big deal. He works for Major League Baseball now. He does uh, works in their, I think, player investigation wing. He was investigating steroids for a oh, while. Okay. He wondering. works at the office. You okay, know. yeah. Uh, but we've interviewed him a few times. I have in the past. And he said, and I'll never forget this, that when he was in the minor leagues making no money, no one would give him the time of day, no one would pick up a check, nothing. Mm-hmm. When he signed his big multi-million dollar contract with the Texas Rangers... And it was all over the news. 
National News Sports Center, and he was, you know, he was the cat's meow. Yeah. The bee's there, knees. There, there was not a dinner check or suit yeah. or anything that he could pay for. Commoners were picking up the dinner checks yep. at places he would go. And he said, Jason, he goes, it is so messed up. It's he a goes, weird celebrity. He goes, he goes, the idol worshiping that we mm-hmm. have, he goes, when I needed help the most, no one would give it to me. And when I needed no help at all, people who needed my help were giving me their money. <laughs> you know, there, there's a small, I mean, it's from like oh, Moore, man. North Dakota, man. Yeah. I mean, that's so, I mean, that's small. Town. Well, and generally these guys, none and of these the guys came hate. from a lot of money, you know? So that's, that's the problem with a lot of athletes is they've never had money. They get it and then they're out of the league and, you know, they're yeah, broke. They're, they're, they're used to turning one meal into four yeah. with flour and noodles and stretching it out and all kinds. Yeah. Of see, things. I can understand that kind of frugal, right? That makes sense to me. Yeah, well, that that's yeah, that's just surviving. That's yeah. not frugality. That's just surviving, man. <laughs> that's, that's living the crude. That's life, practical. Baby. That is crude life living right All there. All right, folks, we got to take a quick pause. A week come back. It's news right here on the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Spees. That is Sterling. We'll see you in a few. Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. It's sponsored in part by... If you have natural gas leases and are looking to sell them, Swan Energy wants to talk to you today. Give them a call at 866-539-0860. That's 866-539-0860. Swan Energy is buying up natural gas leases, and they may buy yours too. Give them a call today. The industrial forest. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest if you're interested in sustainable forests growing industry jobs check out the industrialforest.com that's the industrialforest.com play hard work hard now let's play hard Welcome back to the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Spies. That is Sterling. We're going to get right into news because we've got a busy morning. Got more interviews coming up, right? Oh, yeah. We've got three or four different interviews coming because, you know, with my travel, spoiler alert, a couple of the newsmaker interviews this week will be recorded. Nice. But 
they'll be recorded. You know, there'll be a day or two off, maybe. The the it's not going to be like pressing news. Well, you're going to them in this case, so that's cool. You know, so so. All right, well, let's start local. All right, I'm going to give you a source here because I I know we've had a little contention about that. So this is from the Bismarck Tribune, which you have been published through, correct? I used to write for the Bismarck Tribune. I still do occasionally. Okay, so they must be somewhat trustworthy. They hire me as a stringer from time to time. Oh, yeah. Is Is that like a scab? (laughs) Okay, here's a headline for you. Mineral owners seek lawmakers' help in addressing oil, gas, royalty concerns. All right, so some North Dakota mineral owners report that they have seen as much as two-thirds of the oil and gas royalties they expect to receive in a given month disappear as Bakken producers take deductions to move the products down the processing chain, and they're asking for lawmakers to help stop the practice. Oil industry is pushing back, saying that such change might cause oil development to dry up and would discourage companies from investing in pipeline and other infrastructure needed to accommodate gas produced alongside oil in the Bakken. This is something you've been talking about, you know, not directly, but, you know, where the companies are basically saying, hey, if it drops below this level, we're gone, you know? Yeah. So I, they've never hid from that, by the way. The oil and gas companies, they're not playing chicken. Mm. They're, they're, they're being polite by being upfront. It's a business. And it's a bottom line. for some line. reason, yeah. some people don't accept that. And, I'm, and I have heard there's even some pushback against it to where people are kind of upset. Like, almost like... On what uh, side of it, you mean? Oh, like, oh, the, the royalty owners are getting kind of upset about it. Like, because ex- they were expecting that money. I didn't realize this. There's an actual Williston Basin Royalty Owners Association. Yeah, does Bob Scarpel still run that? Yep, Bob Scarpel. Yep, Republican Tioga is backing a bill to address the deductions, which are sometimes taken from royalties to help pay for post-production costs. Polarizing guy, by the way. The expenses have to do with transporting oil or gathering gas from wells, compressing it, moving it to a processing plant. Various components are separated and turned into more marketable products. So... (laughs) Scarpell says royalty owners familiar with deductions will express their disdain whenever the topic comes up. <laughs> okay, what did he say? He says that royalty owners familiar with deductions will express their disdain whenever the topic comes up. Yeah. Disdain is a polite way to say it, he said. Many royalty owners find the royalty statement so complex they do not even make the effort to decipher what is happening. They simply deposit the check, stick the statement in a drawer. And that's a, that is the best way to put it. Yeah. That disdain is a very polite way. I couldn't think of the word, and disdain is a great word. Okay, because yeah. I was trying to say the exact same thing. Not even twenty seconds before you finish the story. The other one is they can spin it all they want. Okay, I mean you you can tell me about what the Petroleum Council is saying and what Bob Scarpel is saying and what. Uh, the the lobbyist for this person is saying at the end of the day all the mineral owner cares about is how much did I get yeah I, I don't care if you're given discounts to transportation well, and all this other jazz. Right, but what, what it, it seems like... Isn't what, that what Scarpel's well, saying? Yeah, but it, what it actually sounds to me is what he's saying is that they don't really pay attention to it until it's less. Well, exactly. Right? So if, if you were giving them 5000 a month, they wouldn't have been necessarily complaining that they were only getting 5000 But if they're getting 4000 a month, 
that's a concern because well, they're budgeting things. Well, that's the thing. I mean, if there's, I didn't realize that if there's an association, then this is, I mean, this is like its own lobbyist group. Oh, this essentially. is a big deal. So, okay, I'm kind of ignorant to this. When when they're yeah. talking about this, they're talking about it's say, it's a farmer that's got the land that they're drilling on. Is that correct? That's the mineral right. So he owns the land or they're drilling. The landowner. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So mineral owner. In mineral some owner. cases, they're, they're they're split. Oh, I know. My grandfather had uh, when he passed away. He had some some mineral rights in North Dakota that he passed on to his kids. In some states, in some cases, you got surface land okay mm-hmm. then you got mineral and then you got water yeah. so you got three different rights that can be split up in land you can't sometimes. federal kind of just sneak in there somewhere well they sort can of stratified domain whatever they want at any time <laughs> right and then you've got oh and then you got monty burns with horizontal or Hor- uh, slanted, slanted oil drilling <laughs> where he just slants it and uh, no. well isn't that uh, th- there will be blood i think that's what he does in the end is he does what directional drilling I've got a straw yeah <laughs> i sucked out your oil daddy i sucked it out with a straw that was uncanny, folks. I wish you were here. It was like Daniel Day Lewis was sitting in front of me. I mean, it's it's scary. And he just took yeah, off right. his shirt. He's got his guns out. I mean, damn. All right, Watch so out for that bully pin. <laughs> Might be the end of your days, Danny. So deductions for post production costs are not applied consistently across the Bakken, and there's a variety of rates. So it depends on a lot of specific language when they sign the lease with the company developing the minerals. Hess say anything? Hess, uh, the uh, gas company, the oil and gas company, there. The oil producer. I mean, they're uh, they've spent a ton of money, billions of dollars in the Bakken. I would, in the Bismarck Tribune, I I call them the best newspaper in the state of North Dakota. By the way, yeah, as far as the most reliable and the most trusted, my opinion is the Bismarck Tribune, and uh, it would surprise. they, They do have Hess. Quoted? They do man- well. Yeah. They don't quote it, but they say in response to these things, um, you know, on cracking down a flaring, requiring companies to capture increasingly percentages of their gas. Which hey, Great American Mining, yep. Hess has spent two point nine billion in North Dakota since twenty fifteen on oil and gas gathering pipelines, compression, processing, and storage facilities. Vice President Barry Biggs said. Okay. Infrastructure investments are critical, Big said, adding that the bill would undermine these goals by discouraging producers and midstream companies from making additional infrastructure investments. This is the problem is it's like an it's like a lose lose on both sides, you know? I mean You know that word undermine? Yeah. That's a reverse trigger word. So undermine. Well, as soon as somebody says the word undermine, now it's political. So done. Nobody's listening anymore. Yeah. It's all of a sudden, it's just, okay, whatever you say after that word is for your interest only, so the average person just shuts off. Well, yeah, and Scarpell, actually, this is interesting. He says the profitability. Oh, Scar- God, Scar- I love that you don't know anything about North Dakota politics. <laughs> Dude, I've only I lived here for a absolutely decade. absolutely love that. <laughs> just like mispronouncing these. That guy. Scarpel. So, so, uh, he's okay. I Scarpel? like Bob. I like Scarpel? Bob. Bob Scarpel. Scarpel. He's polarizing, but um, I like him. But so, some of these guys, if you mispronounce their name, not only will they leave the room, they'll bankrupt your dad's tractor factory. I know, man. Well, you know, I, I spent a lot of time. In, in northwest like Minnesota, you know, and if you pissed off a sasma, man, that stuff would follow <laughs> That's you. That's what I'm saying. Right? There's, there's, certain, <laughs> there's certain people that if you make them mad, 
They'll come back. Yeah. yeah I, <laughs> anyway, my so, apologies. What's, what's Bob got going on? Okay. Mr. Bob says uh, the profitability of the oil and gas industry is not the responsibility of the royalty owner. He said, if the operator is experiencing a loss, that loss should fall on the company and the stockholders of the company, not the royalty owner. And I see, I think that's interesting. Yeah, he's sticking up for the man. Yeah. Yeah. He's, well, he's sticking up for the oil and gas. Um, it seems like sort of a mineral uh, owners. That seems like. That seems like the type of argument, though, that wouldn't really hold a lot of water. I mean, I think it should, right? But oh, wouldn't, a, wouldn't an no, oil and gas company is, be able to say, hey, we is, don't control the market price necessarily. We don't have... Uh, there's so many things that they don't have control over. The problem with this is it's really complex and nobody really knows what they're talking about. Apparently. Okay, that's, no, that's really the problem. No, that's what he's saying. It's a lot like when it comes to the Keystone XL pipeline. All right, so... Just, just follow me on this abstract. It's esoteric energy time, folks. We're going to take a step back. So when I had Senator Kramer on, um, the reason I love Senator Kramer, because he always starts out in the 5,000-foot view like I do, which is before we get caught up on the Keystone Pipeline and it's Canadian oil and nobody benefits in America and blah, 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 blah. Okay, horse pucky. Okay, first of all... <laughs> I, I don't care. Energy doesn't Bucky. give two craps about the Canadian border or the American border or the Mexican border or any of that stuff. All they care about is, okay, there's a big ocean that I got to travel these hydrocarbons past, yeah. okay? If there's a pipeline that goes through land, that's very safe and affordable and it moves shit, okay? it The distribution and logistics are, are much better. I got to believe okay? that like 90% of this entire thing is logistics. But- you want to keep the flow going. Yeah. Okay. You want to keep it going because the companies that are involved with the Keystone Pipeline mm-hmm. also do business in America and vice versa. Okay. So you just want to keep that economy going. So it doesn't, this whole getting caught up on, oh, dirty, tar, oil sands and all the, it's shut up. Just, okay. The idea is do you want a more affordable lifestyle? If you do, then we're going to keep the Keystone going. Again, other part of triggering and diverting the Keystone energy is forget protesting the Keystone pipeline, protest that bridge that mm-hmm. is that ready needs, to collapse. That's ready to collapse. Yeah. Let's 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 actually protest some critical infrastructure that needs to be rebuilt. I read something a while ago that said over eighty percent of bridges in America, you know, were built in the fifties to seventies. Right? It's like ninety percent now yeah, that these things need to be redone. Yeah. And this has been twenty years of you know these agencies that are in charge of coming up with this stuff mm-hmm. they've been shouting this for 20 years and like i said in minneapolis that bridge uh, with the school bus on it collapsed yeah. Yeah. so anyway getting back to the 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 story that we were on here minerals which getting back to the mineral owners and everything the what what the oil and gas companies are trying to say here is that listen if we don't get the discounts and we don't get the logistics that we need we can't make money and if we don't make money, we're going to get up and leave, okay? And what the policymakers are saying, well, we can't have that because th- they're funding like over half our state. So yeah. I get it, Mr. and Mrs. Landowner, that you want your $5,000. Mm-hmm. But if you do not take $4,000, you will have no money. Yeah. So that's where the game of chicken <gasps> well, becomes that- really between the elected officials and the mineral owners. Yeah. And the oil companies, for some reason, end up getting the, the raw end of the deal. See, for me, I guess I, 
because they're not. The I'm, bad I'm guys just in this at all. Yeah, no, and I feel like I'm just a total sucker. Did you follow me? Yeah, on that? I did. Okay. But if if you came to me and you were like, "Hey, we'd like to pay you X amount a month for mineral rights," and da 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 da, and I'd be like, "Cool," I would kind of assume that that's dependent on what you can pull mineral wise and get for it, right? I'm basically I'm giving you the right to try. Now the bat phone's just blowing up, man. I like it. it's kind of a drum solo here. I know. Well, that's uh, that is from. Bingham to New York, where your favorite news source comes from. Bingham to New York. Bingham ton. Oh, we mentioned them once on air, and now they're tracking you down. Bingham. Uh, you, you had some. Oh, that's had, why, isn't it? You had some tough words. Oh my goodness, they yeah. are tracking me. Yeah, I sent them an angry. I sent them an angry email. I, I said, uh, yeah, we Bingham don't agree here. I don't even know how to pronounce it correctly today. So. Well, we might have to take a brief pause here and uh, come back for our news segment because I got to actually call this this number back. And um, yeah, folks, I'm a little bit discombobulated. So let's take a 30 second break here. Come back. Um, Always exciting. The, the other thing, by the way, before we get into this, the you know the the flaring part, mm-hmm. the mineral owners they get upset about that, and that's that, that's another part is they don't talk about that. Yeah, and they don't even mention that really in this right. article. Right, and that that actually is more of an issue to them than some of the other stuff. So let's see, that's all. There we go. Get. Okay, we'll right, we'll, we'll, we'll table that. Music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life with Jason Spies. Thank you for joining the program today. If you want to look at America, you go to Permian and the Bakken, and, and that's what America should be, united as one. And that's exactly what we are. And, and then, you know, that's what I love about the oil and gas industry. One county in Kansas, one single county, produced 9% of the world's oil. That was oil that won World War One, As the British said from the floor of Parliament, the Allies floated to victory on a sea of oil. Works picked up here in the Permian Basin. Yeah, leadership really needs to take a look at how we've been doing things and constantly make changes in how we can do things better. Commodities are always, 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 any commodity business, whether it's milk or whether it's oil or whether it's apples, they always are boom or bust because the solution to low prices is high prices. The solution to high prices is, you know, is high prices. It's a big issue. You know, it's kind of red riding hood syndrome here. People making out the industry to be the big bad wolf. And on top of that, you know, you would get a nice increase in pay, as I'm sure most of us all know, when you move to oil field areas, you get a a nice little bump in pay. After him and I having five margaritas over at the Cork and Pig, I called my boyfriend and I was like, hey, do you want to move to Texas? And he was like, yeah, when when are we moving? (laughs) And honestly, we moved about a month after that. This oil and gas industry, I've met some of the best people I've ever met in my life doing this. 
Time now to work hard on the Swan Energy phone lines. So here's to all of the good thinkers And here's to the lonely drinker But don't you know Welcome back to the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard. We're going to kind of do a little bit of a hybrid of a Play Hard, Work Hard from the Marcellus region out in... Are you in New York or Pennsylvania, Mr. Jim Willis of Marcellus Drilling News? Hey, hey, Jason. Thanks for having me on. Um, Actually, I'm sitting and talking to you from Binghamton, New York, which is about... 15 miles from the border uh, with Pennsylvania, with Susquehanna County, Pennsylvania, which is a, a huge natural gas county just over the border. Uh, so I, you know, my, my running line uh, is always to say, you know, I, I live and work uh, behind in, in occupied territory. So. <laughs> What's the name of that town you're in? It's uh, Binghamton. Binghamton, okay. Now, I, I referred to that yesterday or two days ago on our program. Um, Sterling, who you uh, briefly met for 20 seconds before we jumped on the air here, uh, we do a news segment, and he had an article from Binghamton University's uh, a news department or some department or something like that, and I referred to it as an, an extremely liberal college. Um, was I accurate with that? Because that was from the hip. Yeah, that would that would be a, a pretty fair assessment. Um, you <laughs> Told you. For, for, well, for the for the most part, I mean, you know, I have to qualify it. I mean, there there are people there, um, you know, people that I know that work there, um, some people that attend there that would not fall into that camp, just like any sure. you know, major yeah. institution. But it's one of the larger uh, university uh, uh, campuses in this, what's called the SUNY system, State University of New York. And, uh, and it's grown to be um, pretty significant campus uh, as a part of that system. I believe they, I know it's over 15,000. I think they're heading for 18,000 students at this point. So it's pretty sizable. Okay. Yeah, and I thought it was kind of notorious for being a liberal arts college and, and pretty liberal and that sort of thing. It, it lit just, you up. Uh, yeah. It was, it was uh, Tony Kornheiser, is he an alumnus there? Is that how I'm familiar with that? Anyway. Uh, you're, you're, could, you're, be, could be. Yeah, it doesn't ring any bells. Okay. Yeah, could be. Yeah, I was going to say. Well, crickets, crickets. As soon as I answered that, <laughs> asked that question, I went, well, he's not alumni. I mean, he's, he doesn't work for them. I mean, we got to get away from that. So... <laughs> Uh, Marcellus Drilling News, uh, give us a uh, story or two update what you're working on and have published currently. Well, um, it, it's always, well, it's always, you know, since the beginning of the year, since the change in administrations, um, I, you know, I, I purposely tried to stay away from wall-to-wall Biden bashing, um, <laughs> but it's, it's kind of hard. Um, when I see, you know, threats on the horizon on an almost daily basis coming out of this new administration. Um, so, you know, some of the stories, a number of the stories have 
focused on, uh, okay, well, you know, what, what's the latest that, that Joe's been doing um, as far as, uh, you know, spooking the, the fossil fuel markets, the oil and gas markets, <laughs> the executive orders that he's been signing, um, the consequences of uh, his early decisions, um, not only in places like where you are, Jason, you know, obviously with a Keystone project uh, getting, quote, canceled, um, but also, uh, you know, this, this whole business right out of the chute of uh, banning or, or putting a pause on permits um, in, in leasing of federal lands. And, you know, again, you would think that that kind of applies to you guys out in the Midwest or the West, um, and, a, and a great deal of it does, for sure, especially places like New Mexico. Um, but we have federal lands uh, in, on the eastern side of the country, too, um, especially in Ohio uh, as a part of the Utica play. So I write Marcellus Drilling News, but it's really the Marcellus and the Utica. And, uh, and there is a, a national forest there, Wayne National Forest, in the, in, in the Ohio Utica. Um, and uh, most of the mineral rights under it are privately owned, but there's a number of little small patches that are federal, federally owned. And because of this crazy quilt of uh, you know, ownership rights in there, uh, we need the federal government to lease those little pieces out so we can create drilling units and drill in there. And this has been an ongoing long, this has been going on for like 12 years now, we've been battling this. Um, and now all of a sudden, of course, everything's on pause again, um, as far as federal leasing goes with the BLM. So, um, so you know, there, there's those kinds of stories. There's always the, you know, the perennial stories about pipelines and how anti-fossil fuel nuts are, trying to um, scuttle pipeline projects and frankly having some success in that. Um, and we have, uh, you know, a, a pipeline or project or two left that we would dearly like to see uh, get completed here. Um, and we're running into, into issues and, and I have concerns, you know, I have concerns about the people that Biden has put in charge of FERC, for instance, uh, Richard Glick, um, you know, his uh, choice to uh, run uh, the EPA, uh, Michael Regan, um, you know, Jennifer Granholm at, at Energy, you know, Deb Howland at Department of Interior, this, these, all of these people for me are problematic. So, you know, there's, there's no end of things to write about. I just, I guess I wish it were, were better news right at the moment. Looking at your website, boy, you guys have like five articles up today alone, man. You get you're busy there. Is it um, is that much news is going on? Good for you guys. I was looking at Tioga County. We've got a Tioga in the Bakken that's pretty famous. But um, uh, what's what what was the news in your Tioga County? Well, uh, recently. Um there there have been a few things uh, that have gone on in Tioga County um, and just let me explain uh, you know how I how I operate on a daily so every day uh, when I get up in the morning uh, early uh, I attack the news you know I have a bunch of alerts and uh, places that I'm checking on on a regular basis to see what's out there that would be of particular interest for the uh, for the Marcellus and the Utica, and 
some days it's hard scrabble, you know, <laughs> but most days I have to scale it back, and I'm looking for those six to seven things um, that somehow have an impact that people that are that are uh, working in the industry would be interested in, people that are landowners would be interested in, um, and those are the things that I'm I'm bringing forward on a on a regular basis. Um, day in and day out. So it's always, you know, it's the same routine. Up early, um, get the stories, write about them, provide context, background, history, if, if it's applicable, and then um, and then release those stories. And typically it's uh, six to seven things every day, Monday through Friday. So in Tioga County, for instance, um, yesterday I had a story about um, Seneca Resources. Seneca is... A, a, well, I call them drillers, but producers, um, gas driller, uh, that is the uh, drilling arm, a subsidiary of National Fuel Gas Company. Uh, National Fuel Gas, to the best of my knowledge, is probably the last fully integrated uh, company from the upstream to the downstream. Um, they, you know, they do everything from drilling to pipelines to their utility company as well. Um, so they have, they own everything in between. And um, they also have a contract with, uh, with Williams uh, for the Transco system. And Williams is in the center part of Pennsylvania, um, is uh, expanding capacity on the Transco. And they're doing it with some new compressor stations and some loop, looping pipelines that they're installing. And part of that's already done. The rest of it's going to be done this year. And because uh, Seneca has a contract with them um, and the ability now to flow more gas to other markets, um, especially along the eastern seaboard, um, since that's the case, uh, they've added, they've recently bought um, some acreage from uh, Shell. Shell kind of uh, divested the rest of their uh, acreage that they were drilling on through their Sweppy subsidiary um, in Tioga County. Uh, Seneca bought that. And so because Williams is expanding, so this is how it all works together, right? Williams is expanding their pipeline capacity, and uh, Seneca has, you know, pre-purchased the capacity on that pipeline. So, hey, now it's, it's up and running partially and the rest of it soon. So now they're adding another rig and they're going to be drilling more in Tioga County. So that's the kind of context that I, you know, try to provide to people. And all sorts of people are interested in that. You know, uh, Seneca's competitors are interested in that. Uh, investors are interested in that. Landowners in Tioga County are interested in that. So that's the kind of thing that I try to do on, on my site every day. How about when it comes to some of the investments out in the Marcellus? Um, are you seeing that companies are putting money into the Marcellus? Are they shying away because of climate activism? I just uh, talked to the guys at Cabot Oil, and I think their words are they're doubling down in the Marcellus. Well, uh, Cabot, you know, it's interesting you mentioned Cabot because they're, they're one of my stories from today, as a matter of fact. Um, in a few weeks, they're coming out with their their fourth quarter in, in 2020 annual update. But they provided what I call a sneak preview or a tease, you know, their, their uh, estimate of what they'll be doing this year in 2021. 
and a few high-level numbers from last year. They're actually going to, according to their, you know, their announcement, um, they are maintaining. So uh, they'll produce about the same amount of gas that they produced last year um, in the coming year. And uh, that would be, uh, well, they produced uh, 2.35 or 2.34 BCF um, every day. Uh, out in, in, which is interesting. Here's just a, a quick side note. Cabot, one company that drills in one county, the one that sits 15 miles across the border from me, Susquehanna County, um, produces rough, I've calculated this multiple times, roughly about 2.5% of all the natural gas produced in the United States. Wow. One company, one county, <laughs> just across the border, which breaks my heart because you know there's got to be lots of gas on this side of that artificial line called the border as well. But at any rate, they produced uh, 2.34 BCF a day last year. They're going to do about the same this year. Um, they spent about $570 million last year on their drilling program. They'll spend a little bit less this year, about 530 to 540 um, and with that money, they'll drill roughly 80 wells. They'll drill and connect about 80 wells this year. So, you know, I don't know if that constitutes doubling down, but they certainly haven't. They haven't lifted their foot off the pedal, right? That's what it sounds um, like. I'd say they're maintaining their foot on the gas pedal at about the same rate, and uh, and they're you know just one of the one of the stars in hmm. the Marcellus for sure. Yeah, they mentioned they were the fourth largest natural gas company in the United States, and and you just really mm-hmm. put that into perspective. So wow, that that's that's amazing. You know, it, it, Colorado's a lot like that too, where they have that one county, Weld County, that just produce everything. Mm-hmm. It's like you know, just everything's out of there, mm-hmm. and it's not yeah. like Texas or the Bakken where it's just there's so much spread out. Spread out, out. Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I mean. We, we we had a guy from uh, Germany come over when the Bakken was you know sexy during the dollar oil yep. days and stuff like that, and I interviewed mm-hmm. him, and he go, he goes, my my first question was where are all the rigs mm-hmm. because you know they, they were he couldn't see them anywhere right, and you go down to Texas they're everywhere and so we got um, a lot of nothing up here. So what's going on? Just big big picture, give people an idea uh, as far as what the vibe is for the next. I guess, you know, a lot of the, the legislative sessions are starting. We're starting to kind of get some unique mm-hmm. bills popping out. And uh, we had a guy mm-hmm. guy on last week who really d- did some deep diving in with the Bakken and that sort of thing. Are you guys uh, following anything? Are, are you keeping an eye on either state, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, West Virginia? I know that you're, 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 a, pretty, you're a pretty good researcher, so what do you got? <laughs> yeah, yeah um, well, uh, West Virginia West Virginia is just now starting their, uh, I believe it's tomorrow, is starting their annual 60-day legislative session. Um, I haven't read any or heard of any particular big items uh, this year. Um, there have been things in, in past years, uh, force pooling and issues like that that have come around, but I think they're pretty well settled at this point. Um, Pennsylvania, on the other hand, um, uh, continually every single year, 
with their uh, Democrat governor, Tom Wolf, uh, battles the same issue, which is a severance tax. So in Pennsylvania, um, early on, they devised an alternative to the severance tax. It's called an impact fee. So instead of measuring the amount of gas coming out of a well and paying a tax on that, um, when someone drills a hole in the ground for a new well, um, then uh, it's, it's taxed in that fashion. And of course, after after the first year, in the first year it's it's you know X amount, you know like whatever twenty five thousand dollars, and then uh, the next year it goes down a little bit, and so on and so forth. It kind of trails off. Um, over the years, uh, sort of mimicking what the production would likely be over the years, but it's a it's a bit of a complicated formula um, because it it depends on the price of natural gas at the Henry Hub over the past year, what what uh, that price averaged, and there are different tiers and things like that. So, just like severance taxes, um, the impact fee goes up and down. Well, into that original impact fee law uh, was written if, you know, if the state ever passes the severance tax and the impact fee is gone. Well, ever since Tom Wolf assumed office, and this is his seventh year in proposing a budget, every single year he's proposed adding a severance tax on top of the impact fee. Uh, the impact fee, you know, roughly, I, I've done the calculations in the past, it's, it's you know, on par with the severance uh, tax in, say, Texas and, and other, you know, big oil and gas states. Um, but if uh, they were to add a severance tax on top of the impact fee, it would vault Pennsylvania to the highest taxed uh, state in the union for oil and gas. And obviously, we have a competitor. So one of our competitors, you could say, in a sense, is the Permian because of, of how much gas it produces, right? But it's all associated. So when you know oil drilling goes down, so does, so does the gas supply goes down. So it kind of floats up and down. But we really do have a main competitor. And, and the main competitor, in my mind, is Haynesville, which is mostly in Louisiana, northern Louisiana, and a little bit in Texas. Um, and you know, uh, if you're if you're if you're making you know if you're making a product and uh, you're right at the line of whether it's going to be profitable or not, and then a state decides to tax the hell out of it, <laughs> um, then guess where you're going to go? You're yeah. going to go to another state where they're not taxing it as much. So, so that's one of the issues I, you know, really keeping an eye on, harping on. And, and <laughs> fortunately, in Pennsylvania, they have a Republican legislature, both houses, the, the House and the Senate in Pennsylvania. And uh, I, I give it very low chances that this severance tax that Wolf is pushing yet again is going to be an issue. But it's not the only issue. And I'll, I'll pause there. I don't know if you have any questions on the severance tax, but there is another issue, too. No, keep going with the other issue. Yeah, so the other issue in Pennsylvania is uh, something called the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, RGGI, or everyone calls it REGI. And uh, in the Northeast, um, REGI was started by New York and New England, you know, the, the liberal Northeastern states, essentially. I believe there are about a dozen states now that belong to it. 
And Reggie um, is, you know, in a very simplified way, is a carbon tax. So when it comes to power plants, electric power plants, coal plants, natural gas-fired power plants um, that are producing electricity, in Reggie states, those power plants have to pay uh, a fee, a tax, uh, whatever you want to call it, on the um, amount of uh, carbon dioxide they are emitting into the atmosphere. And they, uh, they want to glom on to Pennsylvania and have Pennsylvania be a part of that. Well, the governor, again, is, is trying to force it. And as a matter of fact, he's doing it outside of the state legislature. So there's a huge battle that's been brewing because in every other state that's adopted Reggie, the state legislatures have all agreed, you know, and have adopted it. And the state legislature in Pennsylvania won't. So the, the governor's just doing it on his own and he's just forcing it through. So there's, you know, lawsuits involved and, and all sorts of legislation that's cropped up to try to frustrate this. Um, but that issue is going forward, and uh, and it's still kind of a crapshoot as to whether or not Wolf will be able to force them. And here's the big difference between Pennsylvania and all the other Reggie states in the Northeast. Pennsylvania has a whole bunch of gas-fired power plants and some coal-fired power plants as well, but a number of gas-fired power plants. And if Reggie goes through, it threatens that electric supply, uh, because if those people can't, again, if they can't turn a profit because they're being taxed obscenely, um, and, and, and Wolf himself has, has estimated this Reggie tax, this carbon tax would, would raise, or in my words, would assess on the people of Pennsylvania and on the businesses uh, that produce the power $2.36 billion over a 10-year period. You know, that's a new tax. Um, and it would put a lot of those gas-fired power plants out of business so just idle. So um, That's probably really the so objective, you know, isn't it? Is to, is, to, is to really just try to push out as many as they can? Well, I, it, you know, at first blush, yeah. I mean, that, that's my reaction, too. It's like, okay, well, he, he just doesn't want them to operate. But, but you know, you have to ask the, the next logical, rational question was, what's going to replace it? Yeah, exactly. Because you can't, you can't have, you can't plant that many windmills and, and, and <laughs> solar farms, yep. you know, across the countryside to, to uh, make up for that kind of uh, production that's happening right now from all these gas-fired and coal-fired power plants in Pennsylvania. Nice. So, so I, I'm, I'm left with just a dumbfounded look. Like, I don't know. Well, it's like symbolism. <laughs> You know, I mean, it's it seems like it yeah. seems like they're checking a box, you know, going after trying to get these things passed over and over again. It and it's like a whipsaw yeah. effect with with doing things by executive order and whatnot. And it ends up in courts and, you know, and, and the tail end of it, companies go out, people lose their jobs. And, you know, it just seems to keep going back and forth. I just wonder what the end game is, if there is an end game. Yeah. 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 Well, he does. You know, Wolf does seem to uh, genuflect to the uh, environmental crowd. And uh, I don't know what he's thinking. Maybe he's thinking <laughs> it won't actually happen, but he'll get credit for it anyway. Um, maybe he's thinking it will happen and that 
you know, the, the gas plants will just, uh, you know, pay it and pass it along to the, to the customers because that's what always happens with taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, you know, it's not the gas plants that will end up paying. It's going to be the customers. And the question will be, can they still produce it at, a, at an economic rate? So, I, I don't know. We'll have to see how this one plays out. I just, in my, in my heart of hearts, I can't see how they could actually pull the trigger and actually do it. Um, but it is a concern, you know, so we, we keep an eye on it. We keep, I keep circling back to and talking about that issue. Jim Willis, Marcellus Drilling News. I got an odd question for you. Uh, I know that you attend events and you're a lot like I am to where that, that was actually a big part of how you made your living, whether it be from covering events to get the content that people want to actually opening up and and creating some new relationships and that sort of thing. So um, are you out in your neck of the woods? Are are you going to any events? Are there all just virtual now? Is there any events? Yeah, I'm just kind of looking for an update on events. Is anybody having events from the local Rotary to, you know, just whatever? (laughs) The Lions Club, huh? Well, I can tell you in our space, um, most events are virtual, um, but there are a few that are in person and or or split. You know, they'll do both. They'll do in person and virtual. Um, so my friend Joe Barone from Shell Directories um, is uh, is sponsoring some in person events, and uh, some people are attending those. But but he's also broadcasting them. Me personally, I've been simply attending virtually um, when I can, as opposed to attending in person. And I guess, um, you know, for a couple of reasons. So back in October, my wife uh, works at, uh, at a local school in this area, and, uh, and she uh, brought home the coronavirus and uh, gave that gift to me. Um, so, you know, sickness we, and health, right? Both, yeah. So we, we've both been through it. Um, wasn't any fun. Wasn't the end of the world. Did not end up in the hospital. That's you good. Know, nothing like that. But good. it was, you know, it was a pretty nasty flu like thing that, that held on for about three weeks, uh, before we could shake it. And, um, and I'm not anxious to get that again yeah. at this point. Um, so, you know, I've been a little bit on the cautious side, not, not terrified of it or anything like that, but I know people personally in this area, I I have relatives personally outside of this area that have died from it. Um, so I think it it bears a healthy respect. Yes. Let's put it that way. Absolutely. And so, so I've been operating under that assumption. Now my wife just, uh, she's an essential worker. She just got her her first vaccine yesterday. I'm of of course, totally (laughs) (laughs) non-essential. So it's probably going to be a while, you know, before, before I'm in the queue to get my vaccine. But as soon as I can, I'm going to. And uh, and then and then I'll feel a little bit better about uh, returning to in-person events. I'm still waiting for my first stimulus check. That's how non-essential I am. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> They're like, oh, we'll eventually get it to him. Everybody else is on their fourth, but okay. Well, how can people, uh, you know, get you some business and uh, check out the website and give yourself sure. a plug if you wouldn't mind? Sure. Yeah. It's. Um, 
pretty easy. It's Marcellus, you know, it's a strange sounding name, M-A-R-C-E-L-L-U-S, Marcellus Drilling, all one word, dot com. And, um, and if, you know, if uh, people want to check that out, um, I try to keep the price pretty low. I do uh, charge a nominal monthly fee or annual fee, uh, $7.95 a month, $7.95 a month if you want to read full articles. Um, it's $79.50 per year um, if you want to do it annually. But um, what That's you can do is... Um, uh, you can sign up for the headlines, and that's totally free. So if you, you just want to keep an eye on, you know, roughly what's happening by headlines, if you're into that kind of thing, you can do that. There's a form right on the homepage. Um, you can fill it out. And, um, and something that I've, I've just uh, opened up actually for the first time to um, uh, – I was interviewed by Cabot for their uh, Think About Energy uh, um, program that they're doing in this region and i created something for them and i'll open it up to your audience as well jason which is um i offer a 14-day free trial um and i've never done that before because it's so cheap i figure you know hey go ahead and subscribe if you don't like it i'll refund it yeah you eight know? bucks a month come on there's, there's 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 no risk here so yeah <laughs> Some people still are like, well, I don't want to go through the hassle of putting my card in there and all that business, so that's fine. Um, if you go to MarcellusDrilling.com slash free hyphen trial, um, you can sign up for a 14-day free trial if you just like to sample it, you know, get the daily emails and, and be able to read full articles. And I have I don't know, 21, I think I'm about 22,000 posts, you know, articles that are on there now. And so you'll have access to, you know, to the entire archive and everything. And everything's indexed, you know, so there's an article index. So you can, if you're interested in a particular company or a particular county or state or something like that, um, you can, you know, quickly and easily navigate and find those things. Yeah, your navigation pages is like, it's like the Library of Congress. I yeah, this mean, is you've cr- got just content galore, it's man. It's unbelievable. <laughs> and folks, for those of you out there, he's been doing the subscription model like this long before the subscription model was a thing. So I'm glad to see though that you know that the, the, this model is taking off for individuals like yourself and and you know the crude life. We we had to do a little bit of hybrid. In fact, um, I'm I'm doing your model, which is the individual subscription model in a non-oil and gas field. I mean, I'm heading out to Colorado to do some creative writing. And, um, and actually, I'm not going there for the creative writing classes. It just happens to be... Uh, 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 Something you'll be doing. Uh, this is, oh, it just happens to be coincidental that right. I have some business out in Wyoming and Colorado, but I'm also just going to take a few days and write out there as well. And it's the, it's the individual subscription model versus, you know, trying to get the big corporate sponsor. Because that's... It almost seems like if you're in the world of media, you got to go that way. You got to, even if you're a big newspaper now, you got to have a half a dozen, you know, big company masters, or you got to go with the nine ninety nine a month business model. But yeah. you're actually less than nine ninety nine. How much is yours again? Yeah, seven ninety five. See, seven ninety five. Save. We, yeah. we, we so saved eighty you, bucks a year. Saved you a couple bucks just yeah. right there. <laughs> um, all right, just uh, you know, don't you don't have to get in your business plan, but. Have you noticed, you know, in the past several years, has that model increased? Have you noticed an increase at all? Because 10 years ago, it was unheard of to even try this model. 
Sure, sure. Um, you know, I would say it ebbs and flows. Yeah. Um, it's it, honest. It, it, yeah. it really does. It, yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, sometimes it's uh, it seems like, wow, you know, a lot of new subscribers, this is great. We're in Talcon. And then uh, other times it's, uh, wow, you know, is, it, uh, is this something I said? Is it, uh, you know, <laughs> and, and it's, it's sort of subject to, um, it's subject to the broader trends. Right. So if yeah. if the people if the people in my region if the, if the if the companies the drillers in my region are drilling less and they're spending less, um, then there's less reason lots of times mm-hmm. for say landowners to to want to continue a subscription because it's like well it's just everything's kind of cooled down right now at least in my area so never thought of that you know, the, the reason I was, you know was subscribing was because I wanted to find out you know more about it but now it's like well since it's cooled down I'll come back when it heats up again you know so it it, it yeah. ebbs and flows well not to mention if they're not getting if they're not getting a mineral check well then they don't. You know, they don't have that extra money yeah. to spend yeah. towards things that That's get right. them their mineral check. So I totally <laughs> get right. that. Yeah. Um, interesting. Okay. Well, I just, you know, as well as I do, this is this has become a viable business model now for a lot of people, mm-hmm. especially with the work at home revolution. And what do they call it? The influencers, which is just the dumbest term ever. Yeah. What did, what did the guy say to me the other day? Somebody asked me at a dinner party if... Uh, I was an influencer in an ad agency buddy of mine interrupted it. He said, nah, he just gets shit done. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't influence anybody. He just gets it done. He just does things. Yeah, he just does yeah. it. There so, you go. And I thought, well, I, I wish you didn't swear because I could actually have Right, could have used that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate your time today, Mr. Jim Willis of Marcellus Drilling and Marcellus Drilling News. Is it Marcellus Drilling News or Marcellus Drilling? Well, the, the, the uh, I shortened the URL. Okay, because, it's both. You know, who wants to spell that all out? So the URL is Marcellus Drilling. The official name of the publication is Marcellus Drilling News. That's what I figured. Okay, all right. That sounds good. All right, well, uh, thank you much, sir. We appreciate it. It was and, great and, talking and to and we'll you. Thank you. We'll talk again next month, okay? Music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band.
Life with Jason Spies. Thank you for joining the program today. You know, I, I come from an oil background. My family's been in the oil and gas industry for 60 years. I, I think the thing with the younger generation is the younger generation has pretty much bought into the climate change phenomenon. They really believe everything that people tell them. We just want to thank everybody that has been so supportive of us, and especially you, Jason. Without without your help, I don't think our event would be as successful as it is. So I, I don't want to be real critical of them because being a guy who's, you know, dad has several small businesses and, and coming from that sort of small business background, I get it. I mean, the, the, the operators here were put in a real bad position by the state of North Dakota. I'm glad that we've got people like you to pay attention and bring us information on stuff like this. Prices can't go any lower for services. I, I, they're, they're too low right now. I, our margins are in the single percentage point if we're lucky, and we're not lucky that often. You're exactly right. ESG is becoming more and more important to shareholders. I can see for my 20 companies, they take it very serious. It makes perfect sense, and I thought you had a really good show last week. Jason, I love your inquisitive questions because you you ask important questions that, that lead to the most important truths. Hey, this is Kevin Kramer representing proudly the state of North Dakota in the United States Senate. Talking to Jason Spies, who's like the best energy interviewer in the world. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. We all like living the crude life, so. <laughs> the Crude Life with host Jason Spies. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk with U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer in just a moment, part of our exclusive interview with U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer right here on the Crude Life Daily Update. So, important point, because what you've just articulated is where President, the Commander-in-Chief, just remember that, Commander-in-Chief of our military, where he could try to inflict some or impose some influence on the Corps of Engineers. On the other hand, the Corps of Engineers is very much a non-political entity. In fact, in many respects, they're so non-political, they don't really know how to be. And that can sometimes become a problem because, they're first of all, they're non-political. Second of all, they're military. They're the Army. And third of all, they're engineers. So these are not people who nuance a lot of things. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're very sort of square, in the box, straight down the middle people, and it's straight down the middle organization. The, the Corps of Engineers' jurisdiction here is because it crosses underneath the reservoir and the river. That, that is their jurisdiction. So th- they're not pipeline people. They're they're uh, interstate waters people. So while they fight floods, they also build dams, obviously. They also build dikes. You know, they're basically the engineering firm for construction for the Army, but this is this is a very specialized area. So their jurisdiction in, in regard to DAPL is right, because they're the, they're the landlord. They are, but, but they're the landlord that has to answer to several other federal agencies in this scenario. Um, you know, to some degree, the Department of the Interior, because of course you're dealing with, with tri- tribe and you're dealing with lands that are not on the reservation, but they're very near the reservation, but they are on um, previous treaty lands. And so, so it gets it gets a little more complex than that, but the Corps of Engineers is the landlord, and um, really the taxpayers are the landlord. But the Corps of Engineers, you know, they're the, they're the superintendent, shall we say? So that's why they have jurisdiction. I don't worry a lot about the Corps of Engineers if if they're um, if they're not uh, encumbered with political pressures. To listen to the full-length exclusive interview with U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. 
While you're there, be sure to join our ever-growing army of social media energy enthusiasts on Facebook, YouTube, even the Twitters. Go to thecrudelife.com, click on the social media tab. From the staff here at the Crude Life Daily Update, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Play hard, work hard.